Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you are having a good week. I know it's been a really tough week for a lot of people. The situation in Memphis with Tyree Nichols is horrible. And sometimes it feels like anytime you turn on social media or the television or read the newspaper, it's just some of the most horrific stories you could ever hear. And I don't know, I feel like it's more important now than ever to do whatever you need to protect your peace. I personally spend time reading, I'll take a bath, I'll just, you know, light a candle. I watch these crazy women on TV yelling at each other uh, for the Real Housewives. So I hope you guys join me in um, taking a little bit more self-care, especially If you are in the Northern Hemisphere, this time of year I find to be really tough because it's not the fun sort of beginning of winter and you have the possibility of snow and a snow day and I don't know, like hot cocoa by the fire. It's like winter is slugging along and you're like, okay, it's still dark at like 5 p.m. What is happening? When is it time for spring? And I just feel like these months can really feel tough. So hope you all are taking care of yourselves. So this week, I have such an amazing guest. Elisa Rosen is on, and we talk everything from Salt Lake to Miami to Potomac. It is fantastic. Potomac, the reunion looks came out, and I love the color that they chose. That particular blue is just such a gorgeous color, and I am in love with Candace and Wendy's looks. Everyone else I'm not sure about. We'll have to see what it looks like on the screen. Um, But Candace and Wendy look incredible. Um, From Family Karma this week. Guys, I just love this show. I feel like it's so real. But I do, do feel like it's time for Anisha to exit. She has gotten married in real life to her now husband, uh, who does not want to be on TV. And that is a very valid thought and point of view. I also would not want to be on TV. But if he doesn't want to be on TV, then she's not really showing any part of her life. She's talking about these deadlines that she's setting for him to get engaged. And we know they did get engaged. Then they got married. I don't know. It's time to exit. I also feel like on Watch What Happens Live this past week, she was unnecessarily cruel to her castmates. And I don't feel like they're actually friends at this point. When she was asked, which couple do you see making it for the long haul, Amrit and Nicholas or Vishal and Risha, she said neither. And... (laughs) That's just such a nasty thing to say. Plus, both of these couples have been together at least 10 years each. And she's been with her partner for what, a year? I don't know. I just felt like it was such a nasty thing to say. And 
she continues to say unnecessarily things. And I just, I don't know, she has such a kind of a mean energy that I didn't feel the first couple of seasons. So kind of done with her. Um, I did love watching Vishal and Risha go to therapy. I thought it was really helpful. And I think a lot of couples can really relate to some of the issues that they're going through. I loved seeing Holy, if I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, where they do the colors and the fire and they try to do the lantern and that didn't work out. And I don't know, I just love seeing everyone come together and do something that is meaningful to them and their culture and their religion. And I don't know, I just think Family Karma is an incredible show. And if you guys are not watching it, I really, really, really encourage you to watch it. It is funny. It is heartwarming. There is drama. It has everything. Um, it's one of my favorite shows that Bravo has ever made. Um, if you are looking to hear more from me, <laughs> probably not after listening to me for an hour and a half, but I was on Alter Call this week. It's a Married at First Sight podcast that Tane and Aid put on. Tane was out of town, so I filled in. I have never seen Married at First Sight until this week, so you guys get to get my opinions on the show without ever having seen any iteration of the show um, and have not seen the first three episodes of the season. This was episode four, so... Yeah, it's it's an interesting show. Um, and I had a really, really great time being on it. And as for this podcast, if you have any recommendations for people who you think would be good guests on this show, especially those that are interested in The Real Housewives of New Jersey, which is going to be airing in a couple weeks, as well as Vanderpump Rules and Summer House, um, please, you know, send me a DM at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram and share their name with me and why you think they'd be great on the podcast. And I will try to reach out to them and see if they're interested in coming on. All right. Well, we have such a fantastic episode today. I get a chance to talk to television, film, and podcast producer Elisa Rosen. She's actually working on a really cool project right now with the former head of Evolution Media, Alex Baskin, who many of you know. She is a listener of this podcast and a watcher, avid watcher of The Real Housewives. And I just had so much fun talking to her. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead, give it a five-star rating or leave a kind review. If there's something you don't like in the podcast, you can also reach out to me at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram. I'm always open to constructive criticism. We will take a quick break and then back with Elisa Rosen. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Hi, everyone. I am here with Elisa Rosen, who is a television, film, and podcast producer. 
Last time she was on the podcast, she talked about Queen of the Con, which had its first season. It has now had three seasons and has a fourth upcoming. And she's also working on a project with the former head of Evolution Media, who we all know produced The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, OC, and Vanderpump Rules. So she's working with Alex Baskin on a project called King Con the Wiz Kid. Welcome to the podcast, Eliza. And I would love to hear about some of these projects that you have going on. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am very busy in the con artist world. I joke that I'm getting my PhD <laughs> in con artistry. Our third season of Queen of the Con is dropping right now. If you haven't jumped in, the water is warm. We just dropped episode eight uh, yesterday. Today we're recording on Friday. So it drops every fr- every Thursday. And it's called The Rich Girl. And it's about this complete psychopath called Danielle Miller, um, who is, she's really one of a kind. She's kind of like an influencer in quotes, who kind of grew up wealthy, like, good family father was president of the U- of the New York bar, like kind of had all the trappings to be a success and can't help conning. So that's, it's a wild ride. It probably is my favorite season so far. And that's saying a lot because I've really loved every season. And then my series with Alex Baskin, we're in production on now is another wild ride. It's our first guy con artist. Cause obviously we've just done women for queen of the con and um, Alex actually brought it to me because he had read an article about David Bloom in the LA Times and then his friend Caroline DeMore, who he knew from producing The Hills New Beginnings, she was actually scammed by David and posted about it on her inner on her Instagram stories and it went viral. And he connected the two, like, wait a minute, this is the same guy I just read about a month ago in the LA Times. He loves Queen of the Con. He said, you know, we should do this together. So, and Caroline's just incredible and she's working with Jonathan who does Queen of the Com for us and, you know, that's his baby. So she's just so excited to be able to, you know, she was traumatized by what happened to her. So for her I'm to be sure. able to kind of get the story out, kind of get her revenge, but also help victims and expose him, I think is very cathartic for her right now. And um, I don't know yet where and when that's coming out. Uh, we just kind of started production on it, but I'm really excited about that. And we've got lots of other shows and lots of other genres. So it's been really, really fun and busy. And now there is a bit of an overlap between con artistry and the housewives we have found. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. We will hear, be hearing more about that too as well. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny how how – Housewives has become like true crime, very close to true crime adjacent in so many ways. And it's, it really is like the intersection of everything that I love. (laughs) So, so that's been really fun too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Everything's crazy. It is. I think the best part for me is when friends or family, or I have this coworker who is very, not in tune with pop culture or anything kind of happening in entertainment. We played a quiz at work for like some fun thing about how many Taylor Swift songs you could list. And he like couldn't list any, but he was like, is 1989 a song? Like, he like, okay, so he approached me and said, what is this deal? There's this real housewife that's going to federal prison. Like what? What on earth? Was this covered? Like, do you cover that yeah. in your podcast? Well, <laughs> well, that's what's funny, because when the New York Times reports on it, you know it's going to be 
like something that's going to break through just our little world where we all are obsessed with everything. But when, you know, your 80 year old dad is like, do you watch the show? Yeah. Then, you know, you've, you've reached the mass culture. I mean, it's a big story. What Jen did is insane. And we'll get to it. But yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, should we just jump in to? Yes, but I want to say one thing to you, madam, which is that um, I am so happy to be on your show again. It's been a long time, but I was telling you before we started recording that I feel like we have been talking because I listen to you every Sunday on my hike and how much I not just enjoy the podcast, but the, you know, your guests have just been top of the game. Like, I love how you always take it a different level deeper. You know, you had incredible podcast about colorism that was like required listening to anyone who has not listened yet. I thought that was just an incredible conversation. And then the eating disorder podcast, I'd heard you talk about like, I need to get someone on, I need to get someone on. So um, I was really excited when, when you did that. And I just think you always have such good insight. I really always like agree with everything you say and just watching your evolution over the last few years when you started, you just got, you, you know, the 10,000 hours of practice thing that Malcolm Gladwell says, like, you've just gotten so good. You have such great listening skills. I just think it's become like really just a great conversation. You know, it's, 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 I think when a lot of people start, it's like, they feel like they have to cover every minute of the show. and We got to do that deep recap when really like the highest level that you're doing it now is just your sweet spot. So I want to say kudos to you. I am just so impressed with what you've done and I really enjoy it as a fan. Oh, thank you so much, Elise. I mean, I'm a fan of you. You like know so many people and you're much more familiar with this industry and the backside of it, which is very confusing to me. I mean, I don't understand production. <laughs> it's confusing at all. to me. <laughs> I feel like I need to have you on again just to explain production and what that even means because you say, Oh, we just started production on this project. And I like, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't even know (laughs) what you do, what you try to do. I had a producer on once who explained to me what a field producer does and a story producer does. And that, like, blew my mind. (laughs) Just, you know. Yeah. Well, it is. And it's funny how one of the things that's always so funny to me when I listen to other, you know, uh, Housewife podcasts is – or Twitter, when they're like, give it up to the editors, give it up to the editors, the editors of the editors. And it is the editors are amazing. But it's not just the editors pushing the buttons that are making the decision to do a sketch of the grand dame as like, you know, the mystery woman or blur out Lisa's face when they're talking about Sally. Those are story producers. Those are producers. Sometimes that could come from the network. Sometimes that can come from a story producer. It's not just the editors going off rogue and coming up with great ideas. Having said that, like I've worked with tons of editors who come up with these ideas themselves and they're geniuses and hilarious, but it's not just necessarily, you know, the editors just going crazy in the bay. There are actually people that are, you know, giving that type of feedback and and notes on these things to to amp them up another level. So nothing to not taking away anything from the amazing editors of these shows, but it's not always just a solo deal. That's really important insight. I feel like when people say that, they mean all the people you're talking about, but they don't know the different names for the jobs. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair and listen, I'm glad then because it always annoys me. I'm like, it's not just the editors, people. Like if you had like my in my world, like the what I know is okay, in an, a congressional office, you've got like the legislative correspondent, the legislative assistant, the senior legislative assistant, the military fellow, the you know, legislative director, like what all these people are and what they do. Um, but it's so interesting in every field, there's just different yeah. 
different names, roles. different yeah. roles. Yeah. And it's it's not always so, you know, everyone's in this exact lane. And that's mm-hmm. what's cool about it. It's collaborative and it's a good idea can come from anywhere, you know, and it's and uh, the editors, let's put that in in quotes, because again, encompassing all the people I just said are just killing it. Like, I feel like we've entered this new realm where we're breaking fourth walls. We're just having so much more fun with these shows. I'm finding for the most part, just, you know, while I was burning out on them for a while, I'm finding like renewed life in them right now, just for all of the above reasons. Me too. I really enjoy the production company that produces Potomac. I feel like they have kind of gone and done some like more creative things in in recent, you know, this recent season that I love. Like just like you said, using the Grand Dame or having the Grand Dame and like the Law and Order you know, sketch and like, you know, it's oh just my God. special Potomac f- unit. Like all of it is so funny. And we, they've earned it. Like we, you know, we're in, like we're in for whatever risks you want to take, any fourth walls you want to break, any, you know, talking about Andy Cohen, all of that. Like we are so here for all of it. We will go along as long as it's not boring and you're not lying to us, which we'll get to. Uh, we're yeah. here, like just bring the entertainment. It's so much fun. I, I love when they take chances. Yeah. Well, thank you for all that insight and for your kind words. It's like, I don't know what to say. I kind of like <laughs> turtle that wants thank to go. You. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. No, well, it's true. Well, it's exactly what I want to do with this podcast is just have conversations with people, especially people I may not have otherwise met, people in different cities, people in different countries. Yeah. And people, then you turn us yeah. on to them and we start following them like you had on that stylist the other day. And it's like, she sounds cool. And now I'm following her and I'm loving her content. So oh, it's just a great, amazing. I would have never known about her. Yeah. And I actually, she's someone I met in real life and then was like, oh, I need <laughs> to see your Instagram. <laughs> Everyone cool. else is like, I meet on Instagram and I'm like, can we meet in real life now? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, that was so cool. Well, let's dive into Salt Lake. We had the first reunion. I did laugh when the set had a sprinter van. I thought that was <laughs> funny. But I, overall with this season, something feels off to me. Particularly, and it's because we didn't have a strong, like even going in, we all loved season one, right? And we all were like, oh my gosh, season two, this is wild. But the women don't seem to have a foundation with one another. And that feels to me like a huge problem. So when we thought, you know, Meredith and Lisa had this 10-year friendship going, now Meredith is like, well, we were just, you know, friends for, from Sundance. And like, she's making it seem not as deep as it was. And I don't know, seeing it's just like two and two, it's weird. Oh, that that is brutal. That was, as soon as they brought, um, showed us the other ladies, I was like, oh, finally. Here's the thing. I totally agree with you. I think Lisa and Meredith were actually friends. I'm not saying they were besties, but they were actual they friends. Were. You remember that scene at Meredith's house on the couch talking about John of Varshaw yeah. about Shabbat dinner? Yes. That was a real conversation from real friends whose families were super close. I mean, Meredith's full of shit. Like they were, she, she was not mad at Lisa before all of the rant, you know, maybe she had her st- normal friend stuff, but it wasn't like, that wasn't even the reason. Like that was the reason. So I don't believe you. And this whole way that the alliances have shifted this season, it, it's so like, 
why Meredith has aligned herself with Heather and Jen, Jennifer Shaw is one of the weirdest <laughs> things ever. And Whitney and Lisa is the weirdest pairing ever. Like, you're right. None of it makes sense or feels real at all. I cannot follow the Angies. I've, I haven't been able to follow the, you know, finally I sort of got it by the end of the season. It was over already. <laughs> so yeah. it's just, it's been too chaotic, but I think the biggest problem beyond the friendships, which is always the foundational problem is that the elephant in the room, which is John R. Farshaw, hasn't even been dealt with this season. The only way it's been dealt with is for her to still proclaim her innocence and how she's going to trial until the bitter end. So, And then for all to rally behind her and give her the bigger room and say, oh, but poor Jen and her family and poor the, you know. So as a viewer, it's just continually feeling like we're getting gaslit. And the reunion in particular was between Meredith and that nonsense, you know, to kind of twist the whole Lisa thing and the black eye from Heather. I, I can't tell you the rage I feel. Toward. Of course, I loved Heather like everybody else the first two seasons. Yeah. I I was all for her. I was like, I can be friends with Heather. This season, I want to, oh, I'm going to give her a black eye. <laughs> I just cannot. All right. Now, maybe not that extreme, but I, when I tell you that I think she is lying through her teeth about what happened. Here's what I've come up with. You okay, hear my theory? let's hear your theory. Unfortunately, I don't have what, just what I have percentages. Of okay, theories. okay, okay. I'm five percent that she doesn't know that she blacked out and she doesn't know. I'm five percent on that because okay, fine. Something happened. I mean, the chances that they left her at five in the morning and then she woke up at ten or whatever, and that's all when it happened. Come on, so. I'll give her just the 5% for grace, as she would say. Then I'm going to go 25% that Jen Shaw did something. Now, whether that means it was like in a moment of rage, I highly doubt it. I think they were horsing around, which is what the scratches are. And they were clearly up to shenanigans the entire night. So I think that she could have accidentally elbowed her. They were messing around. I don't think they were like sexually messing around, but I don't care. Uh, and something happened in that and she either remembers it and they both made a pact not to talk about it or she's that still happened and she doesn't remember it. But I think it's probably the former that's so that's now 30%. Okay. Then my 70% is not original, but it was my thought from the beginning. And it's been sort of supported by a few other people is I think it was bad Botox and I'll tell you why. Oh yeah. Or I thought filler because whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know the difference. <laughs> All I know I've had Botox twice. And the last time I got it was a few months ago and they, the woman blamed me, even though it wasn't my fault that she hit a vein or whatever it is. And yeah. So I had massive bruising, not the way Heather did on my eye, but around my eye instantly, by the way, within an hour, it was totally like yellow and green. It looked really gross. So it wasn't on my eye. But then I had Kate Casey check with Dr. Jen, who confirmed that it absolutely could happen from whatever it was, filler or Botox. But then Ryan Bailey made a point that I, and then a few people online that I can't get out of my head and no one's talking about this, which is the eye patch the next day. I'm sorry. Where did you find a bedazzled eye patch in the right. five hours? Like you, so I think, and and a lot of people has said have said if you look at the day before on the trip, she was wearing sunglasses most of the day. You could kind of make out maybe something was developing. The fact that the eye patch showed up to me, it was like 
the smoking gun because I just don't understand how you would have that eye patch at the ready. Like, do you travel with an eye patch? A bedazzled eye patch? No, no. No. I don't either. So I feel like, and then the whole weirdness of Jen and that like weird pact or whatever's going on there and everyone thought it was Jen being guilty. I think that Heather, Heather, all she really has at the end of the day is her business in terms of sort of like that's her thing that defines her. So I think if it, I think that she felt like if that ever came out that it happened to her at Beauty Lab, that would be the worst thing that could ever happen. And she told that to Jen. And Jen is like, here's my chance for someone to trust me and to be in on the secret and to be aligned. And mm. I'm going to keep, because, you know, of course now she can use that as a chip against Heather too, to fully manipulate her even more into her. Cause she knows that she'll keep her secrets no matter what. So I kind of feel like that's what happened. And they're both colluding. All I know, Mandy is what she was saying at the reunion was gobbledygook bullshit she contradicted herself 40 times. Uh, and then the crying about drinking and blocking out. Give me a fucking break. You are not crying about that. Your book is called Bad Mormon. You love it. The more you can show off how rebellious you are and how out of control you are, the it's happier you are. It's your brand. It's your brand. I don't buy it for a second. Right. Oh, my God. It was so rehearsed. So, so there's where I'm at. My theory is a mix. So, <laughs> and I hadn't really like, developed it entirely until you just finished speaking okay so i do believe there could have been an issue with filler but i don't know when just like you said i've seen people have this it's usually yellow and green and then later gets darker so it could have started to get worse i also think that she might have hit it on a faucet And the reason being is particularly when there was a talk of multiple members of the cast using ketamine, I thought... That was wild. Okay. I wonder if she was in the bathroom snorting something. Like, where where else would you be like that low down with your eye that you would hit a faucet. And the faucet, I've heard a number of times from a lot of different people. And it could be nothing, but I'm like, maybe she was doing drugs along with drinking and hit her eye on the faucet and doesn't want anyone to know because if they look into it, it's because she was doing drugs. Wow. Oh, my God. Great theory. I love it. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, the ketamine thing is so wild. I'm like such a goody goody two shoes that just like casually shrooming and ketamining on a trip while you're drinking your ass off. It's like she's she's 48. Like she's not a spring chicken. Yeah, there's wild. It's wild. It's wild. I know Meredith can hang because she hung out with (laughs) Stephen Faces by Bravo at I guess they have a thing called Gay Ski Week. I don't know if it's formal. Sounds fun. But they were in at a party together in Park City that was like people were wearing, I don't know, some sorts of like outfits and stuff. It was a wild party that went on and she didn't get home until like 536 in the morning. I'm like, the only way that you can party that 
long is like some drug. I don't know what kind. It could be Adderall, could be cocaine, whatever. So I'm like, okay, I feel like she's like, my kids are out of the house. Like, I like to have a good time. Seth looks like he likes to have a good time. Like, I feel like they're a couple that like every once in a while, not like she's like a habitual pill popper drug user, but like she likes to dabble and for, you know, responsible adults who decide to do that, sure. Like, whatever. I'm not judging. Totally. No, I agree. I, you know, I, I just, the lying from Heather is setting me over. The way that it was dealt yeah. with on the show and then through the reunion made my head explode. Like, it, it, it almost made it unwatchable for me. I cannot deal with it. I don't know what it is about me that I can't deal with it, but it's just... And I think maybe had she started off, like if she was a Mia from Potomac, who's kind of a pathological liar and that's like her brand and it's sort of funny. And she was like that from day one. I guess I wouldn't have cared as much, but I think the fact that I felt betrayed, I was like, here's someone that's like a straight shooter. I trust her. She's us. She's like the Jim Halpert, you know, of, of Salt Lake. And then for her to just become so weird and annoying and lying and all of that. And then obviously the alignment with Jen Shaw and the allegiance to Jen Shaw just, it set me over the edge. Truly. I did feel though, like Andy asked a lot of the questions that I had. Like yeah. he looked at Meredith and was like, "How can you go from <gasps> sitting in a tub, I know. like gleeful <laughs> over this woman's arrest, to saying, okay, like she did it?" You know? What is your theory, Mandy? I'm dying to know why the hell is she doing this? I what can't does she figure gain? it out, but she has sort of lost her brand because I think she was sort of the morality person that was like you don't do this you don't talk about friends this way you don't go after my son you don't say anything that's anti-lgbtq like i will stand up to you right she had the those shirts that she made like lgbtq rights you like i'm engaging okay so that's your brand to like do the right thing now you've got someone who actually did something really terrible to a lot of people and you're not saying anything about it the only thing i can figure and it's what i've said about trump for the last six years of like why lindsey graham and these you know sorry oh, to well, be Lindsay, political for know. a moment but right what i'm saying is yeah. but all of them you know why would they even now after everything and i just think it's one word blackmail yeah. i think jen has something on her there's no other reason she gets she cannot benefit on any level meredith is a very smart woman and she cares about her brand. She cares about her public perception. She cares about her kids. There is no other reason why, and now that she's been sentenced, no less, like now would be the time to cut bait and say, she's disgusting. I'm embarrassed that I align myself with her. But she hasn't. In fact, she's kind of doubled down. Mm-hmm. So she's, fr- I mean, how do you even, and again, it's not like they were so close. They nope. were, she was ready to, dis- she couldn't stand her. She was, freaking out about the way that she treated Brooks and all that. Then she does one of the most heinous things you could possibly do. And she's like, "Ah." so Jen Shaw came out during the season airing and said that the reason her and Meredith got close was because when they were all supposed to confront Jenny about her racist uh, Facebook posts, Meredith was the only one that showed up and Jen 
And Lisa was like, that's bullshit because you get a call sheet and you're told that you need to be somewhere. And you guys both got the same call sheet and the call time and place. And I wasn't on that, which is why I wasn't there. It's not that I don't care that, you know, these horrible things were said and posted. So well, and it's that's just bullshit anyway. Everything is bullshit, right? Exactly. Like to say right. like we align ourselves <laughs> again with Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ rights, whatever. Like at the end of the day, Jen Shah has always used her minority status as a weapon and will throw out accusations of racism just to feed and like fulfill her own vendettas against people. There is Which never is the hallmark it, of a psychopath. She's nuts. I mean, you know, and then she has the audacity to like what I would consider appropriate black culture, you know, by like just, you know, just because you have a black husband and black children doesn't mean you're black and that's okay. Have your own identity and, you know, you don't need to, I don't know, have the box braid, like whatever. Um, and, and maybe She's Tongan people control. do those kinds of braids, but she hadn't ever had that hairstyle until she got arrested. Right. Oh, completely. And when the whole suicide thing, I mean, we don't need to go into well, that, but I want to talk about weaponizing. <laughs> yeah, no, I heard yeah. you. I completely agree with you. Yeah. I think it's, it's disgusting. It's a appalling. form of manipulation. And I'm not doubting that she was suicidal. I think a lot of people in that situation do get suicidal, right? Especially when you're facing years behind bars. But you can't just say, like, I'm suicidal because of what you did. That is manipulation. It's There's something, it's not my term, but PMS, not, not what you think, poor me syndrome. Mm. Every single, remember when, you know, Harvey Weinstein started walking with a walker, Bill Cosby became blind overnight. You know, it's like all of these psychopath predators, con artists, they all of a sudden, you know, it's because that's their... Exactly. That's their manipulation tactic. That's exactly how they try to garner sympathy. I mean, she's been doing that till the bitter end. I mean, she, last night or whatever, she was like, oh, go to my website where you're going to enter your email and your credit card information so I can tell you the real story. I mean, it's like so shameless. <laughs> it's insane. Give me your credit card. <laughs> After everything that has happened with it's her. It's hilarious. <laughs> you got to laugh. It's almost like she's punking us at this point. It's, right? it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. One thing I Literally did crazy. seem to get, and maybe I misread it, was when Heather <laughs> was talking about the black eye and the shame she felt from blacking out, Whitney was giving her what I thought was like, a, okay, this actually tracks for me. Why didn't you just come out and say that? Right. I don't believe it. I know you don't, but I felt like Whitney did. Whitney totally did. I think Whitney. <laughs> I think I'm going to be nice. Whitney has a soft spot for Heather. I mean, she loves her. And I, I can almost guarantee those two are going to realign for next season. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I hope so. It's yeah. so mean, though. And I think that Heather, I think, was so mean to Whitney. And I think. Oh, my Whitney God. Horrible. Had expectations of Heather that maybe were unrealistic. But it was. Yeah, I think I expected to align with Heather ahead of the season and I aligned a hundred percent with Whitney and Lisa and Lisa is someone everyone's like she lies she lies and she's like you're defending like there's someone who's actually going to prison and they lied to you for years and then there's me and I'm telling you the truth and you're saying I'm the terrible one 
Lisa's a fantastic housewife. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying I want to be best friends with her, but she, she brings it. And the reunion, she comes in guns a blazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. She's had like 10 Diet Cokes. She is just <laughs> ready to go. And I'm endlessly entertained by Lisa. I am too. She's gotten better and better because, you know, the first season was like, I love that. I love that. And I think it was just, you know, she was kind of feeling the water. She wanted everybody to like her. She wanted to be perceived a certain way. Now I think she doesn't give a shit and she's just, she'll say whatever. I mean, I just find her fascinating. Can I touch? (laughs) (laughs) Can I touch it? You do it way better. I can't do. (laughs) You have to get that like flat affect at the end. Yeah, it's kind of like Valley Girl meets New York a little bit. Yeah, I love that. Like that. that. <laughs> yeah, it's a vocal fry at the end it's of it. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, shall we talk about a different Lisa, Lisa Hochstein, who yes. we are watching go through it on this season of Woo! The Real Housewives of Miami. Okay. Great I have a theory. season so far. Oh, my God. I need to share with you it sounds yes really, i can't wait it sounds really mean because i do <laughs> i'm okay with that want to support lisa but particularly <laughs> watching what was going down in the conversation between her and lenny yeah. oh i can't wait yeah made me start to think okay she knew this marriage was over and she decided to drag and drag and drag until filming started because this is an ultimate guarantee of paychecks not just this season but for multiple seasons moving forward everyone wants to root for the housewife who was wronged by her husband i I totally agree i mean ryan bailey always says you know two things can be true at once yeah i think lenny can be a total douchebag and your theory is completely correct it's and i and i was looking for that in that scene where she was mic'd up i mean she was kind of producing it, right? She knew Mm -hmm. exactly. She kept egging him on, egging him on to make him look like more of a dick. And by the way, he is a dick. Like, I'm not saying he's not, but she, she's not looking it. it, She's doing a really great job of painting herself as the victim. Um, You know, woe is me. And we're all exactly like, Oh my God, poor Lisa. Right. But I do believe that, Um, They both can be assholes, unfortunately, and that um, she was probably I mean, he has come up with some crazy comments on social media, you know, but I always look at those like, okay, what is the other side here? You know, and he's like, you know, she abandoned me years ago. She has a boyfriend, you know, this and that. So listen, divorces are messy. Divorces with really rich people are really messy. I don't believe Lisa's an angel. I don't believe she was a a picnic to to live with. But you know, the two of them chose each other because they were both assholes. So, mm-hmm. you know, and she was also very young, but she loved the trappings of the lifestyle. She knew. So the thing that I can't get over, though, no matter what the real story is there, and, and I think you are correct, but I don't understand the kicking them out of the house part. That's the part that how how is that OK in any world? Like whether she's the worst piece of shit on the planet how do you do that to your children? I really don't get that part. I think, and I haven't listened yet to the Bravo dockets deep dive into their divorce because it sounds I, I like, listened. so they have a, he has a pretty intense prenup. I think what maybe, and this isn't to get trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, which he doesn't deserve 
is he's saying you need to get another place to live and the kids can split their time. But why does, I don't, now I'm trying to remember the prenup if it, because I don't, I don't have know that any house. of it. I haven't listened. Yeah, but I, I, I did listen and, and, and I think you're right. However, why does he get to stay in the house? Like, because he, I will, it's with his money, right? And the, he, all the money that he makes is like, she gets a certain amount, but she doesn't get half. No, I know. The prenup was like 10000 a month. But the prenup, what they were saying on the Bravo docket was that the prenup was conceived weirdly because you usually assume that it's going to consider children in the future, but kind of was not conceived in a way that considers children. So that was strange because the numbers were so low. Yeah. And you should listen to it. I have a terrible memory retention so, and you have much better retention. So you'll probably... I don't, I don't want to speak out of term, but they definitely did say that. So, but I don't understand, you know, the expectation would be that they would have children and it would consider that. So it, it was confusing to me. I guess it's just a really shitty thing to do. You know, yes. my husband's divorced. You know, when I met him, he was separated. He had just bought his own house. So I am, you know, he was not rich. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, it, so no, it on sucks. A, on I, a lesser level, it's like she stayed, the wife stayed in the house, ex-wife stayed in the house. And then eventually they sold the house. They split it, whatever it was. Like, you don't act like the way that she was describing it, how cold he is yeah. and the turning, that's a very toxic narcissistic um, when they go cold all of a sudden, you know, I feel he, like he, he seems like a really, was. that's what I don't well, get. He like, was never a sweetheart. Yeah. It, good like, point. That's what's so strange. Also, that house is large enough to like house <laughs> you like live there four and never see each other. separate families, yeah. right? You could just oh. each take a wing of the house, each a take one percent. of the cars in the garage and like be set yeah. there, you know? And so that's what's strange is like, why don't you just move to this room or I'll move to that? And that he did, right? He's in a different area of the house than she is. But I do think living under one roof is obviously not great and uh, this isn't just a regular house. It's a house on Star Island. It's probably one of the top properties in the United oh, yeah. States. So, oh, yeah. you know, and that's with his money. And I'm assuming, g- given the prenup, he's like, well, you know, and I I bet he tried to end things with her a lot of different times. And my, oh, question, definitely. my question is, did she, was she so blindsided because she really believed they would work it out? Or because we did, see her talk about the what was emotional it the emotional affair. affair yeah and she didn't seem to, like she was hurt but she wasn't getting through her head like when she's like do you think they're having sex that right. did feel like an honest question from her she's a little delusional which is yeah. why she's a great housewife i mean that's the truth of it is that i think i think again all things can be true at once she could have he could have told her it was over which you know, obviously he doesn't just say on the hot mic moment to that guy, I'm going to be single in a month if it's never come up. I mean, or maybe he would, but but it seems like, right. Yes. It, it, not all was hunky dory clearly, but I think that you're right. I think that he was always kind of a dick. So she just thought maybe they're going through a rough patch. And I think she was holding on for dear life, not just to the marriage. Cause I think that she did want to keep, whether she loved him or not truly loved him. I don't think is even the issue. She wanted to hold on to what they had, right? The, the family and mm-hmm. that perception of that family and the children wanted her father of their children to live with them and all of that stuff. But at the same time, I think that she, um, 
knew deep down. However, I do think his anger, I think you're right. Cause I think his anger, like how deep, how, how shittily he is treating her and how angry he is and how sort of disgusting he's behaving to say those things, to f- tell your parents to fuck off in a pool with your children. I mean, that's such unhinged, disgusting behavior. I think he's so rageful at her. Not, mm-hmm. not defending it. It's disgusting. No, no. For, it, yeah. for humiliating him, for dragging him through this when this should have probably been wrapped up a few months before filming or at least you know, was hoping they'd have already two separate lives before filming. And she was refusing to do that. And who knows what those conversations were or weren't. But I think that's probably where his deep anger is coming from. It doesn't make it okay. I think he's embarrassing himself. And I think he's a terrible person. It's also just interesting to watch him look at the cameras and be like, I don't want to be on camera. But he signed away rights to production to be on camera and yeah that's how they got him on the bed house exactly and how uncomfortable must that have been you know for for him for the production people you know like all of it is just i don't know i feel bad but at the same time um and you know what i just i feel bad Right. But I feel bad for loving watching it. (laughs) (laughs) But I do feel like this is such an important lesson for people in general that you cannot rely on a spouse to provide all income. You need to have a skill. You need to be able to go out and do something. It could be anything. Right. Well, she is on the real. I mean, she's making money. Right. She's on the show is. But not enough to support the lifestyle that she is commanding. So if you want that lifestyle, you need to find something that brings in that amount of money. You cannot expect to have that lifestyle for the rest of your life just because you married someone rich. And I know it's it's hard to get that through your head because you're like, I'm so used to it. It's been 15 years. It's been like this. But when you meet someone that wealthy and they hold all the power because they make the money and they went through the terms of the prenup and it's, you know, for them, like they control it all and you don't have control the entire time. They always have something over you. And I don't know. I would want to be in a partnership, like an actual partnership. Well, listen, in fairness, wasn't she like 22 or 23 when they met? Um, She was very young. She was really young when they met. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you're that young and you're like, oh, a doctor or whatever, like, I don't think you know what marriage or a real partnership is. I mean, not to say I have relationships at that age, but I certainly was not, even if I thought I was, I was certainly not ready to get married at that age looking back. So, you know, in a way I feel like kind of, you know, I don't hold that against her, you know, for the fact that she was- Oh, I don't hold was, it against her. I just- Like Erica like, Jane was a, a human lesson. being. It's a lesson yeah, for Erica, viewers. It is, but like Erica Jane, she was like almost 30 when she met Tom. So I, I have a lot less sympathy for, you know, this man. I mean, she was already married. She already had yeah. had a marriage. So, you know, it's very different. You know, who you are at 28, 29 is very different than who you are at 22, 23. Do you think that Lisa didn't really mature beyond the age that she was when she met him? Listen, Lisa's a narcissist too. Like you, nobody goes on this show and is a good housewife without having many, many flaws. Like the ones that don't last are the ones we're like, I could be friends with that person. You know, the rest of them have to, you know, delusion is one of the first qualities you need to be a good housewife. So 
What was your question? <laughs> Do you think she stopped developing and like maturing yes. at the time, the the age she was when she met him? Because it's like, it almost feels like she, her ideas of what a relationship is, what a family is, is kind of the mind of a 24 year old and not the mind of like a 39 year old or whatever. Yeah, like no, she is. it's a good point. And it also, you know, she didn't have kids till a lot later because they had trouble conceiving. Yeah. So there's a huge, you know, 15 years that it was just like party time, spend money and party. It was not was party time, even with the kids. Know, they were, like so they had up. a newborn and, you know, or she was pregnant or whatever it was. I mean, in 2020, in April, so like a month after COVID and like the very beginning when no one knew what was going on, when hospitals were overburdened, yeah. he was throwing, and they both were throwing these like insane ragers that the police would have to shut down because there was a <laughs> so stay-at-home okay. order. Like you couldn't stay at home for the two months that Florida did it. It's so it's just so foreign to me that I can't even conceive of it. I wish that in certain ways that I could because it would make it so much easier to like anal anal analyze it. But it's just, I don't even understand it. Like I get it when you're 16, but not, you know, Lenny's like 70. <laughs> like it yeah. just, it's so strange. So I find it all like, that's what's so great about Miami though. Right. Is that like, it's at least to me, a very foreign world that, you know, and to a certain extent, Potomac too, like these unconventional relationships, like, it it's just like wow, people come in so many different shapes, sizes, and <laughs> forms. Like I'm just like my relationship is fucking boring compared yeah. to so many of these women. It's wild. It's can we talk about Alexia? I, feel I was like just thinking about her apartment, her that apart that apartment. Like they never really showed it to us with those with that kind of like drone shot and the views of the ocean, like took my breath away. It's wow. beautiful, but it also feels like it's all marble. And so when they were all yelling at each other that it was like echoing. And so when oh, Frankie funny. came out and was like, they're so loud. Like yeah. I right. felt it was probably like, like he was hearing uh, like it reverberate. Wait, it's funny <laughs> that you said that because I thought, did the editors mix in crowd noise at one point? Because when the guy, when the lawyer went, okay, let's put it, it sounded fake. It sounded like there were like they they mixed in actual like a concert or something because it was that loud. No, I think because it's like all hard surfaces, there's no like carpet or things that would absorb right. the right. sound that it's all just like bouncing off. And I was right. only think about that because I was on Capitol Hill today. And when you walk with certain shoes, same thing, you hear like it clink. the whole way down the hallway. That's so, so <laughs> funny and true. It's such a great point. Yeah, it was. That lunch was this last week's episode was um, this season is amazing. Like I didn't everyone's like, oh, my God, Miami's back last season. Like I liked it. I didn't love it. This season, I love it because it's it's going to whole new levels. Alexia, she's she's getting into Teresa territory for me. Like I have oh, yeah. I, she she is. I, I enjoyed her last season. I didn't actually watch the original Miami. I only saw like pieces of it so last season was really my entree into Miami but this season I'm like no Alexia no she she is I am not this whole thing with Nicole I mean sorry with um Adriana I was like are you kidding me that you are not giving this poor woman an apology I couldn't believe how calm Adriana was about it I would have flipped 
flipped out. If someone accuses me of, of something and then just was like, oh, I was just, I just never scrolled down. Sorry. Not even a sorry. Oops. Like I would have been furious. I think it's because if you go back and watch from season one, both of them are on season one and right. two and then three. And I think Adriana is a little bit used to Alexia's antics and knows the kind of person that she is. So I don't think she's as shocked as mm. the newer cast members are at right. some of the behavior. I just Interesting. We it, don't have that backstory. What I find is so similar with her and Teresa is like their endearing qualities, which I believe both of them do have, is when they're around their children. Yes. And Agreed. family. Like they Agreed. seem when watching Alexia with Frankie and, and right. seeing when it actually happened and she yeah. stepped down as a housewife and was a friend of that season because he was in rehab and it was just wow. it it's it's a moving story and I but it's wild to me that she can't find it within her to apologize to people that she doesn't like. That's all it is. If she likes someone, I do believe she could find an apology. But totally. because she doesn't like or respect Adriana, it's just not coming. Yeah. I mean, she's she's a piece of work. I mean, each, that this this show is operating at a very high level. Like, first of all, just from a producer's POV, the cinematography, oh my, that scene at the apartment, I was like, this is a movie. The colors, the way it's shot. There's nothing else on Bravo. I mean, I know it's Peacock. There's nothing else that looks looks so cinematic. And and I know that's helped by just the Miami, you know, tapestry, like the, the you know, the scenery, the backdrop all lends itself to that vibrancy. But it's so beautiful to look at. And there's real wealth like dripping off of the walls, uh, you know, everywhere you go, they're just loaded. So that's like the return to sort of like what this show is supposed to be, which is like, oh my God, let's just drool at all this money. And then they're all, I mean, even Larsa, who I can't stand is bringing it. Like they are all bringing it. There's not a dud in the bunch. They're great. And what's I find so interesting is that they're making Miami look really, really good as a city. And I do think it's a beautiful city. I love it. But a lot of it does feel like it's stuck in the 1980s with the architecture, totally. with some of the outfits people wear, you yeah. know, just it feels like somewhat old and sometimes run down. Sometimes I just think of like, I don't know. It, anyways, it's not as beautiful and chic as they're making it look like in the majority yeah. of the city. And they're making it look incredible. Every yeah. restaurant they film at, I mean, the the venue that Dr. Nicole held her mm. engagement party at was one of the best venues I've ever seen ever for any party in the I history know. of the world. <laughs> like, I know. It's not just housewives, like anything. I know. I had a friend actually in your neck of the woods way back get married at the post office, like the old historic post office. Yes. In DC. I'm sure you've been there. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of that. Just so gorgeous. You know, the tall ceilings and the sort of stat, you know, the, the columns, just gorgeous. I think they turned it into a museum, a post office. Oh, did museum. they? Yeah. <laughs> okay. This was, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, yeah. No, I, no, like I, 25 years ago. <laughs> I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, can we talk about Dr. Nicole a bit? 
I love I her. Am, <laughs> I love her. Did you see that she got the spot next to Andy at the reunion? Ooh, I did not see that. Yes, I'm like, bring it, girl. Love her. Here's what I say about Nicole. Um, love her, first of all. She's beautiful. She's great fashion. Um, her house is exquisite. I think there's something up with the money there. I'm sorry. It's very weird that he's an attorney and they have that much money, but we'll see. Just save this in the archives to see if we if we have to circle back to it in a couple is it, seasons. What kind of attorney is he? Doesn't matter. Okay. I thought he I'm was so, like a my, real estate attorney. I mean, I'm just saying okay. the private jet, like the level of money. I'm not saying you can't be really, really rich as a real estate attorney. It just seems other level. My sense that I got from watching last season was that the money wasn't primarily from being an attorney. It was, oh. it was like real estate. Oh, he has other business. Oh, oh I see. Interesting. Okay. That was what I took from last season. And that, okay. yeah, I mean, he runs like a- Well, then that's that's something because I'm like, that's just not attorney money. I mean, even the most successful attorney. Because the house they had last season, they sold for such a large profit. Oh, really? Like, so he buys things and then keeps like, f- not just flipping, flipping, and flipping. but like- making it more and more like he knows the neighborhoods in advance because she okay. was like, Oh, are we really going to leave this house? So yeah. I'm not saying that's for sure. Okay. I think a no, lot of I'm, people I'll, have I'll been buy that. curious, but yeah, no, the I like that. Is, how did they get to the point that they could right. do that? That yeah, is maybe he comes from money. He might come from money. She doesn't clearly, but he might No, She's so cool. I love that. She's a doctor. I love that. She's still a doctor. She didn't like, mm-hmm. you know, get on the show and say, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I'm looking at you, Dr. Wendy. Um, but you know, she's she's very cool. And and I feel like the whole I love I very much relate to her with the Larsa stuff because if somebody did that to me, I would flip out on them. I would flip out. Yep. And I'm glad she set the record straight. We don't have to wait all season to find out what it was. She's totally like, here's the thing. And I think that Larsa is disgusting. I think the fact that she would, she does that though. She takes one thing and I think Nicole called, called her an arsonist. So, yeah. you know, she knows what's going to be the most salacious thing, the most, the biggest bomb to drop. And she does it not giving a shit. And I think it's, I think there's being a good housewife and then there's being a bad person. And those two things can be mutually exclusive. And Larsa's just both of those things. She is. It'll be interesting for next season. If people start throwing bombs about her, because Good. There's plenty of dirt on her. There's so much shit. Just say it, you know? Hello, you don't even have the same face. Like, you literally should have a new name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, when you change She's your nuts. face, I don't even care about your body. When you change your face that much, you need a new name. That should be required. <laughs> you're not Larsa Pippen anymore. I don't know who you are. I know. Her Larsa nose Pippen. is so different. I mean, everything it's, it's is so literally different. I can't get enough of looking at the side by sides because I've, I've never seen anything like it. I've never it's seen not like Lisa like Hochstein, who's just had too much work, like because Lisa's face evolved. But you still think, no, it's Lisa. Larsa's not Larsa. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, she should be called like Lisa. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Lisa Pippen. <laughs> anything else on Miami before we jump into Potomac? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that lunch was like one of the goat scenes of like any franchise. I think Kiki's phenomenal. Marisol so is an alcoholic. Yeah. And like, is I don't find it funny. Or is she yes. playing an alcoholic on TV? No, I think she's an actual alcoholic because I'm very sensitive to that. I have someone with addiction in my family. 
and not even alcoholism, but, um, but I'm very attuned to it, like eating disorders, alcoholism. And I noticed that she can't settle. Like this, the first thing that she says is I need an adult cocktail. I need a drink. She's looking for the drink. She's it's in a way that's, it's not funny or fun anymore where she's playing at it. Like mm-hmm. she's actually, um, and maybe she's a functioning alcoholic. She's also, right. as you've noted, not eating. So that's not helpful. Yeah. Um, no, I think she's an actual alcoholic because I think she needs alcohol to function. Did you notice though that when she came in and said she was hungry, Alexi was like, you're hungry? <laughs> no, I didn't notice that. And yeah. And then she goes, eh, I need a drink. And it's like, does that what you mean when you're hungry? You drink? Hungry for a drink. (laughs) Like what? I don't understand that. And there's something very unhealthy about about her. But I don't have the context of Marisol again from the earlier seasons. So I think that would be helpful in my analysis of Marisol. But um, she's a great, again, great housewife, super entertaining. But there's something weird about her and I don't know. There's something off. You should watch the earlier seasons. It's okay. very interesting. She's in this relationship. Which, and her marriage, right? Her old marriage? Her old marriage. It, okay. it, all of it was just very bizarre. Okay. Um, her relationship with her mom. Her mom had some terrible, terrible plastic surgery where right, her Mama face Elsa. was yeah, deformed. <laughs> and she was yes. so funny. It, it, all of it was just very interesting to me um, watching. And there was one scene in season two that I just like couldn't get over where everyone was sitting around and I think they were doing a Passover Seder at the Hochsteins and people were talking about how like all of them are immigrants, you know? And at that point people were from different places and they were there with their parents. And I just thought that was amazing and what people were able to connect over. So Lisa Hochstein is an immigrant. She's not Lenny is. So his family. Right. Came no, from I know the USSR. that. Yeah. No, she's well, she's from Canada. She's not really an immigrant, but right. She's not right. Because she's right. That's but yeah. she's not because she kind of speaks as if she's Latina, but she's not right. She what was she? It did come out in one of the seasons like she's part Jamaican. Okay. Yeah, okay. she's got a lot of different things. Well, we never hear her backstory. We hear nothing of anything that happened prior to Lenny, and that is super suspect for me. Yeah, I feel like I heard that she doesn't have contact with her family. I may have she, made that up. but She yeah. kind of alludes to that. Okay, got it. Yeah, I mean, look, that's another reason. When you glom onto someone's family and they become your family, yeah. that's really hard to let go of. Really hard to let go of. So I, I kind of get that. That's her emotional support blanket. You know, when you lose that, it's hard to let go of it. It's a warm hug. Anyway, yes, Potomac. Love. Oh, my God. I love it Did you see all of the stuff that came out this week about Juan? Um, (laughs) About cheating. Yes, 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 I did. So, I mean – uh, I believe so all of it. Many people in the DC, Maryland area have heard the same things or seen the same things or know people who know things. I'm not one of those people. Like, I'm just like not cool enough to be in the know. But it really seems very like there's there's not just smoke. There seems to be fire. Well, I don't think he's cheating. So that's oh. the thing. I just think I, I, I could listen. Anything's possible is what I was alluding to with unconventional relationships. And we can talk about Karen and Ray too. I think that they have an agreement 
I think that they have been living together for the kids. Um, I don't know if they sleep together or not. Maybe, maybe not. But I don't think that they're actually in a real relationship. And I think that Robin knows. I don't know if Robin dates. Maybe she just doesn't want to. Um, But I don't think if you saw her reaction in the store when Ashley, was it Ashley who confronted her about it? She seemed really nervous, but not hurt. I don't know how to describe yes. the difference. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. like, oh shit, how am I going to cover this? And so when she called Juan, I thought that was so interesting because everyone's like, oh, he seems so guilty when she called him. I didn't even take it like that. I took it as like, by the way, I think Juan's, I used to like him. I think he's an asshole, but like, yeah. I don't, I think he, I think with Juan, it's always like, Stop dragging our shit onto the show, woman. Like, yeah, I told you I don't want to be on the show. I told I know we have to do it for the money, but like our personal shit is going to get real messy if you drag it out there, Robin. Like, I feel like that was the subtext to that entire thing. But then why? Okay, Why did he say I never even go out? (laughs) No. Well, that's obviously not true. Yeah. When she was first married to him. There were there was infidelity and they yes. were in a real relationship and she left him. So then why yes. not just like you so you're saying the whole thing is fake. No, I, I feel like they try. You know what I mean? I feel like it's not but so they black went and ahead white. And got married and now I think that was for the I think there was a re- you mean the second time. Yes. Like I think it was for the, I think it was for the show. Mm-hmm. I think it was just to shut up the haters and to be like, you know what, bitches, I'm going to prove Cameron wrong, but like just to shut them up because yeah. they already have everything commingled anyway. I think it's literally a piece of paper. So I don't think that it's. I think for them it was just like let's just stop everybody. Stop. Like he's probably like I don't want this to be storyline anymore. I want to shut it down. Right. Let's just do it. We're doing it anyway. Like we're living as a married couple anyway. Let's just do it. I put that in quotes. Um, so to me, that didn't represent, I, I didn't even take that as like, oh, maybe they really are in love. Maybe he really was cheating. To me, it didn't move the needle at all. But what is what actually disturbed me the most from these stories is that it sounds like he was in this sort of relationship with this different woman and then wanted to pass her around to his friends. Oh my God, that part, I I, I couldn't even process that because that's a different level obviously and when they said in that video she said Juan's friend was giving major ST vibes I didn't know what that was so I had to ask sex traffic thank you oh my god wait Juan was or Juan's friend his friend that exposed himself to her in a hotel room after Juan had left the hotel room his best friend, apparently. That's so fucking disturbing on so many levels. I can't, I can't even. And listen, there's like another version of this where they could be in a romantic, Robin and Juan could be in a romantic relationship and he could still be cheating. But I think she knows. I think no matter what, she's fully aware. This is who she is. Even when she's like, so I want to talk about the prenup. So like, just, you know, it happens in marriages that there's infidelity. Like, Girl, we know it happened in your marriage. Like, why are you acting like this could be a possibility? It was just so fake. Like, to me, it's like, how about, listen, mom, we know what happened before. We know it could happen again. Like, it was just such an insincere conversation. It just seemed like a joke. 
Do you think everyone on the cast knows this prior to this season? I think Giselle knows it. Okay, because Candace is quite close with Robin as well. And are they? Yeah, they have their own friendship, like separate from everyone else. Okay. Because I think after what happened to Candace with Monique, Robin was the one checking in on her behind the scenes. Got it. And they formed an actual bond. Okay. That, yeah, they're always on different sides, whatever, but they have their own like love. And Candace seems to be one that doesn't like fake bitches or whatever. Like she just yeah. doesn't have time for that. And if Robin is going out around and having this whole fake relationship, I could see Candace. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see her reaction. So that's it. Maybe it's somewhere in between. Maybe yeah. it's not fake, but it's not real. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And then Robin's sort of like, it is what it is, people. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, 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 by the way, completely believe that Juan is with other women, whether that means cheating, you know, if, if the wife is okay with it to me, it's not cheating, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? So I just feel like their relationship is clearly terrible, whatever, <laughs> whatever for, I mean, every time he interacts with her, he's such an asshole, you know? And it's like, again, I know he you don't like the cameras do, yeah, but like, just, them. but like, then can you pretend like, I just can't, it's so weird to me when you can't pretend <laughs> like right. you're on for like, you know, you're filming for an hour, like just turn it on. You know how to be charming, dude. You're, you yeah. Know? And then all this stuff happening with him getting that lawsuit about Oof, not addressing, terrible. you know, sexual assault that was happening on his team by nothing. A coach yeah. Nothing good is bad. going on around him right now. I, I mean, he is stinking real bad. Real Although bad. I still think that the school is the one that should be in the lawsuit, not him. So I don't know no, what, I, what they're... I agree, but he clearly... I think it's clear. I don't totally get it, but it seems clear no matter how you slice it that he kind of turned a blind eye, right? I'm not sure, honestly. Oh, okay. So that's so, what people are alleging in the lawsuit. Oh, I thought that was the But thing. I don't okay. know that there's like data to prove that yet, right? Because you have to go through like discovery and prove like... We sent this email. We notified on this okay, day. Got and then, it. You know, it's like I don't want to know. I know that's so immature. It's just, it's so dark. It's so dark. Like, that's it's the thing. Like when it to... gets into that territory, sex trafficking. Like it's it's on a whole. It's just amazing to me that we're there. Like we're at this point where like just you know what I mean. Even the Michael Darby stuff. Like who are these people? It's just crazy. Nutty people, right? Yeah. But I also think there are there are housewives fans that are looking for things that sometimes aren't there. Yes. And the best example in recent memory is uh, Diana Jenkins on Beverly Hills. She is suspect and weird, but there is no evidence that she has been trafficking children like you obviously haven't done the midnight rabbit holing for three hours that no, I've done. I did. And it all oh, leads okay. to one article. And that to me is it's one blind item from 2012. You cannot make yeah. a case that it no. goes to one per. you know, like that anyone could write any blind item. No, no, I agree. I, all I'm saying is I'm not ruling it out. Let's put it that way. And I, okay. and I'm not a total conspiracy theorist, but. I just find a lot of things around her very strange and shady. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't even want to go there. But yes, you're right. And it would be horrible. 
you know, it is horrible. Look, no matter what, like the whole thing with Lisa Barlow and like, you know, sexual favors for it's like, that's what would freak me out about going on. Like, that's what's so the sickness, right. Of these women that are all delusional and narcissistic because (laughs) everybody, you can say anything about anybody. I mean, I left a job, um, before we moved to LA that I was at for eight years and I left. Okay. I left. Everybody knows I left. I meet up with this guy who hadn't been at the company for a year. And he's like, Oh, I heard you got fired. I'm like, what? And so either, you know, he made it up. Somebody told him that, but it's like, now there's a narrative between him and whoever else, maybe nobody, maybe he was just doing it to fuck with me, but like, I, I didn't get fired. Like, and so feeling that that Kafka-esque experience of like, you know, the truth, you know, other people know the truth, but he could just say that and it's his truth and maybe other people's truth because he's spread that lie. It's my integrity. It's, you know, yeah. it ultimately doesn't really, really matter, but like, I have never been fired from any job. So no, like, I that's agree. Just, that's yeah, why I so, feel so strongly. Anytime you have these like accusations, you should say that there's an accusation where it's coming from, where the data where the facts are like that's what Nicole was asking where is the proof that I slept with everyone in the hospital like where is that right and the problem is this this is the problem in general is that like it's been cleared up she totally um explained it and yet not for me and you but like for a lot of people that'll still linger in their minds like oh is Nicole a slut does she sleep with other doctors like is that how she got ahead like even when you know the truth you've now been tainted you know and that's what fucking crazy people do like and you know but it's not just crazy people it's like (laughs) you know I I don't think crazy people are making all these accusations against Diana but it's like you have to when you say things like that you should make sure you know what you're talking about rather Especially than when they're just, that serious. Especially when it's that serious. The yeah. number one thing about how disinformation and misinformation yes. spread is the number of times you hear it. Absolutely. And it, yes, that's Which correct. Is, no, it's true. You, like, when you're talking to people who are against vaccination, if you yeah. tell them, you repeat like, oh, it's not true that you will get seizures from the vaccine. Mm, the only mm-hmm. thing they will hear is seizures from the vaccine. And you're, they heard that so before. So you're not yeah. ever supposed to repeat back to them what they said and why it's not true. Yes, because that's interesting. I didn't it, know that. It, so the, the most time that you hear something being said, like, for example, you don't have to like love Meghan Markle or Prince Harry or whatever, but the number <laughs> yeah. of times that there is this narrative created and then it maybe isn't true at all, right? Like, and you hear it over and over and over. Absolutely. And it's the thing that's- Just most, wonder. Like, you just you start just, to wonder. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, maybe she is a monster. Maybe she's <laughs> yeah, exactly. terrible to everyone. Right. You know? Right. Well, and that's so. the thing about- truth right i mean we talk about that for hours it's like there's you know what i mean like what is the truth what everyone is has truth? their everyone I, has on their that, own yeah I, I know people have talked about this in our housewives world but i will say I, I don't know if it's up your alley but i watched an incredible show on peacock called paul t goldman i don't know if you've heard about this no i didn't even see it on peacock it's it's kind of a mind bending i don't even know how to describe it but it it literally speaks to this question of what is truth um so I found it fascinating. I think Ryan Bailey talked about it on his pod a little bit too, because we kind of like a lot of the same things. Um, but Potomac, Karen, 
Karen. Oh Karen, Karen, Karen. <laughs> I think I've gone on your podcast before and declared she is my favorite housewife of all time. She's one of mine. She still too. is. Her she still and is. Sonia can... Morgan make me laugh like so nobody, but she doesn't have the dark side, or so I thought of Sonia. But now there's these accusations that she has a drinking issue. I don't believe it. I, I really don't. I don't believe it because, I mean, A, maybe she did. I just right. haven't. We saw that one we time. It. Yeah. Remember that one time? I think it was like iPhone video. Where she was doing shots and she was completely wasted. It was like fireball. Was, like she had like it was 14 crazy. shots of fireball. Right. And it was hilarious because we never see her like that. Right. So, you know, maybe that was a shade of like, maybe she used to binge drink or something and it came out. But I don't, I, just to me, it's like, that came out of nowhere. And That's I think what I like, thought too. Karen is hilarious. Karen has, I think Karen has a lot of secrets. Let's put it that way. Yes. Karen has a lot of secrets. And I think there's an arrangement there with Ray. For I sure. I think they both do their thing. And they're, I, 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 Karen can, I mean, I really hope that there's nothing, I, she can do no wrong in my book. The way that she dealt, this is why I love Potomac. Like this episode this past week, I think I said to you on DM, like is, one of my favorite episodes of all time, probably of any franchise from top to bottom. Like it was like every scene was another level. That scene where they're at lunch is so epic. Where too. they're literally <laughs> blowing up each other's lives. And it's like, all right, well, pass the guacamole. Like I was trying to get that was Beverly Hills. Like what 10 seconds of that scene would have been an entire season. Literally every 15 seconds, a new insane thing happened. And they're all freaking out. And then just eating the next minute, you know, like Robin, when they show the picture and she's like, no, you don't get to see it. She's like, come on, let me see the picture. Like not <laughs> rattled in the least. You know, if someone's going around showing me cheating with some guy, I'm gonna be like, give me the fucking phone and let me see that picture. She's like, oh, come in on. In Redskins gear, no less. I Red love that they keep, they keep saying Redskins and like, it's so funny. It's so many people in DC like me make such an effort to be like the commanders the commanders oh right right that's <laughs> and, right you know no mo yeah and it's and just funny that they just like don't care yeah they're like whatever <laughs> oh i forgot God. that i forgot that whole name change it's so yeah funny. i mean it's when you wear show. the old gear it is redskins gear because that's what the team was right. you know right no and, no she's totally. like i hang out with a lot of redskins is what she I know. that's what i mean like she's what got the most random about? life She's just, I think she will continue to surprise us. She is the gift that keeps on giving. I absolutely live for her. I think she's so funny, but she doesn't work without the Giselle or without like the other person who's, you know, she, she, she needs, needs a scene more. She needs a scene partner. She does. <laughs> she does. She needs an adversary, yeah, that's a friendly true. adversary to make her as funny as she is. Even when she has an enemy adversary, like Sharice, she's hilarious. Like, I mean, that one scene wasn't that funny, but she's just funny. Like she's because she she has great clapbacks. Like, you know, everything she does is just flawless. Great Emmy for Karen, for Karen Huger. I'm sorry. I love her. Okay. I need to ask you, towards the end of the episode, Mia and Wendy seemingly make up. And then allegedly, <laughs> while they're all going out and having fun, Mia slithers next to Wendy and says, <laughs> I just I want that. to eat your box. I mean, I I get it. Wendy looks hot. I mean, Wendy's beautiful. Wendy is hot. Um, do you, do you think <laughs> Mia and Ashley hooked up? 
Oh, yeah, probably. I think they're both so out there, loosey-goosey, whichever way the wind blows. Yeah. I I could totally see them like like a five-minute hookup. Just like, okay, girl. Like, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's what I mean. Like, they're, I I can't relate to, like, the way they conduct their lives, but it's so fascinating. It's like a subculture of just, like, the craziest relationships, you know? Like, both of them, Mia and Ashley, had pretty much open marriages, you know, like it's just a whole other level that I'm just, again, I have a very boring, to my knowledge, at least normal <laughs> relationship. I listen, he, my husband could be out doing shit. I don't know about it. It seems very boring. So like, just to see this world, it's like, it's almost like 90 day fiance. Like, it's just so it's wild. It's so wild. Wacky, it really right? is. Yeah. Now, I guess my final question to you is, I can't get over the Mia and Jacqueline stuff. Jacqueline that, that's comes dark. on the show to support Mia. Mia brings her on the show. And then she railroads Jacqueline, who seemingly has no idea how to behave on reality TV. She does not understand this space. She doesn't understand what's going on with them. Like, what do you think happened? She, it's funny. It just made me think she brought a knife to a gunfight. Yes. Like she is so ill-equipped and you just, even if she's not, even if she is guilty of a myriad of things to see her so broken and just crying without any defenses, like you can't help, but just want to go over and give her a huge hug, you know, no mm-hmm. matter what, like, I'm sure it's not so black and white. I'm sure that she's done some shitty things to Mia too, but I, you know, I have a best friend from, um, since we were 13 and she's my best friend till this day, like ride or die. So that's how I kind of look at it. Like, okay, imagine if Alyssa and I were on a show together. I can't imagine a world. And we've had things over the years. Like it's not like it's, you know, we've never had anything come up in our relationship. We have, but we always get through it. You know, to think that they could have been so close from high school and be in the place where they are all it does is just make me sad, you know? And I I do think, I mean, I think that Jacqueline said it, excuse me, Jacqueline said it a few episodes ago. She sold her soul. I do believe that Mia is so thirsty and wants to be famous so badly that the damage, you know, I think everybody's fair game, maybe, you know, not her kids, but everybody is fair game. And so, you know, and maybe, I mean, they obviously have such a weird dynamic and a weird history and God knows what's gone on between the two of them. But maybe this was a passive aggressive way to get back at her for whatever perceived slights have been happening oh, the last few years. Oh my God. Because it, because it really is low. Me is that I don't malicious? know. I, she may not real like it may realize be that it she is. doesn't it's even just, realize it. Like, yeah, girl, come on the show. And then she's like, you know what? You know, like I'm pissed that all, you like all yeah, these things. It just, yeah. I think that she they clearly trigger each other really hard. It's clearly a toxic relationship. Yes. Like the, even with her going like, and I get it. Like we all have those things, right. With our sister, with our best friend, like when she's like, can I buy your deodorant? Can I do this? Like, you know, I have it with my daughter, certain things that she does. Like she leaves every single drawer and cabinet open after she uses it. It <laughs> makes my head explode. Yeah. So I get that those little annoying things that you would think like, are you kidding? You're going to get mad about that. I get that when you're so close to someone where you're showering, showering with them, that that could be a trigger. But to, but to go as far as she went, 
it wasn't fun. It was that, that whole storyline isn't fun. I don't like watching it at all. I wish Jacqueline had never come on the show. Same. I, it's, Mia doesn't need her. Mia's no. great. She cannot, Mia threw a drink on Wendy. We, Mia's got enough going on. She is a cuckoo head. She is a great housewife all on her own. She did not need Jacqueline. It, yeah. It was also interesting to watch her apologize because it, she wasn't really to Wendy, you mean? Yeah. It, oh, that was fake. Yeah, it just was so strange because it's like, why are you doing this now? Like, what calculation? I think for allies, exactly. I think yeah. she needed the ally. I think that she saw Jacqueline being so vulnerable and everyone feeling so badly for her. She was like, I got to line up people for my side. Wendy hates me. You know, so I think that was complete. Uh, that scene was hilarious. Like, neither so of them wanted strange. to. Yeah. Well, they're not, they're not moving forward. They, they don't care about each other. Oh, my goodness. Well... Elisa, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> this has been so much fun just to dive into all these shows with you. I really haven't had a chance to talk about Miami enough. I'm glad we got the time. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can listen to the podcast that you are producing, and anything else you want to plug. Ah, thank you. Okay, let me think. A few things. So um, the best way to follow me is on Instagram at AYR Media, and it's my name, and then AYR Media is my handle. Um, and then, so, okay. The real, uh, so queen of the con season three dropping right now. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts. We have the real killer season two dropping in a couple weeks, the beginning of February. So if you haven't listened to the first season, highly recommend that's also available anywhere you get your podcasts. We have a show that I want to quickly give a plug to that we did for audible. I did with team Coco Conan O'Brien's company called funny my way. Um, it's hosted by JB Smoove, who's a brilliant comedian. And it's about dead black comedians who paved the way for, you know, the, the greats that you know today. So Flip Wilson, Red Fox, Moms Mabley, Paul Mooney, Rudy Ray Moore, Dick Gregory, incredible, incredible sort of deep biography profile. So the reason I'm plugging it now is because Audible is taking it out from behind the paywall. And it's going to be available to everybody starting in February. And oh, we for, is it are... for Black History Month? Yes, I didn't realize that till you just said that. Oh. <laughs> that makes total sense. Yeah. Thank you, Mandy. I'm like, why are they waiting till February? Very smart. So I'm really. It's probably I've I'm been working for over 25 years, and it's probably one of the top three things I'm proudest of in my career. It was a labor of love. I think you will you and your audience will absolutely love it. It's so funny. It's so interesting. It's such a great um, education, you know, but entertaining. So I would love people to check that out. And those numbers actually matter for us to get a season two, because we want to do a season two with female comedians. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And then, yeah, I have some other exciting announcements coming out. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see when I post on my stories, on my feed, you will see all of that. There's a very exciting uh, housewife adjacent to housewife adjacent announcements that will be coming out soon. So, um, so watch out for those as well. And thank you so much for having me on. I really love, love your podcast and I love coming on it. Well, we will have to have you back again and especially to maybe go into some of the nuances with what production is because it, like how people put together a story. 
that I find I know nothing about it, right? And it's, it's so funny because I feel like it's <laughs> so boring. Like I feel like your your audience would just like fall asleep because it's sort of like, you know, okay, here's how you go to work. Like it's I don't think it's as sexy. It's almost I when I have my own podcast, Reality of Reality, I would interview people in our business. I interviewed this executive at a network one time and she she didn't come up as a producer. And I remember she said to me, it was so interesting. She said, I don't understand production and I don't want to because I don't want to know how the magic is made because it's like once you peel it away, oh. it's really kind of like, oh. like when you, you s- talked about the call sheet, you know, it's like yeah. about a scene like, oh, ew, they're like, it's not just happening. You mean they're actually yeah. like have to show up and like when the cameras go down, they just leave like what? They're not like being followed all the time. You know, it takes away the magic of it. Okay. That makes me reconsider. Not to say that, listen, you should have on producers other than I, and I can highly recommend, you know, I haven't been in, in the field in production in quite a long time. I mostly do development and then my podcasts are a whole different operation when we talk about production because it's all done remotely. Mm-hmm. But I can certainly, if you really want a deep dive yeah, on that, I do. there's plenty of producers that okay. have, you know, I'll get recommendations from you. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> I find exactly. that stuff funny and also not even just how it happens, but how they react to the women because they become, yeah. you become friendly, you know, like the crew, yeah. the camera, the producers, yeah, totally. you get to know them and then how do you try and accurately show what's going on with, no you know, kidding. what happens when they get mad at you, yeah. what, you know, yeah, all of that. No, stuff. totally. I mean, you deal with that. I mean, you know, you just mentioned at the top of the podcast, my partner, Alex Baskin, uh, oh my part, my you God. know, on this pod, yeah. I mean, he, are you kidding? We, we've never had a dinner where his phone's not getting blown up by multiple housewives at once. And so it's just hilarious that he has to deal with this. Like people think Andy Cohen, no, it's Alex Baskin. He is the talent wrangler. He is so good. They all love him because he just handles them all so well because it's a lot to manage. It's a skill. It really is. And he's so good at it. Be able to, for all of them to still like him, give him the card conversations that he has to say with them and all that, like, forget it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, yes, to be continued. To be continued. Thank you again so much and have a great rest of your day. You too.